0: Welcome to Decisive Point, a U.S. Army War College Press production, featuring distinguished authors and contributors who get to the heart of the matter in national security affairs. Decisive Point welcomes Dr. Austin C. Doctor and Dr. James I. Walsh, authors of The Coercive Logic of Militant Drone Use, featured in Parameter's summer 2021 issue. Dr. Doctor is an assistant professor at the University of Nebraska, and Dr. Walsh is a professor at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. At first look, it seems like drones would be very useful to militants, kind of like a poor man's air force, but you found that militant groups don't have powerful reasons to use drones systematically for strategic bombing, such as in denial or punishment strategies. Can you expand on that?
1: Sure. This is Jim. I can take the first stab at that. To think about this question, we draw on work that analyzes the effectiveness of air power, which of course until now has been largely used by states in interstate conflicts. A big difference between states and the militants we analyze is that militants are generally much weaker than the governments they oppose. They have fewer soldiers, less financial resources. They often have difficulty controlling territory. And we think that that shapes their assessments of different types of air power strategies in important ways. So, for example, denial, which is targeting enemy's military sort of center of gravity, you know, trying to wipe out military effectiveness sort of over the horizon, is quite challenging for militants because they're weaker. So it's harder for them to sort of muster and defend the logistics they would need to carry out such a campaign. It's hard for them to pull together large fleets of drones that would be really effective in a strategy of denial. They'd have to secure airstrips from enemy attack. And those airstrips would probably be pretty easy for the adversary to identify. They'd have to hire technical personnel and so on and so forth. So denial seems a hard goal for most militants now and in the near future punishment, which is instead of targeting your enemy's military and political center of gravity is targeting the enemy's population, civilian population, right? Persuade them to no longer support the conflict. That might be more feasible because maybe you wouldn't need as large a fleet of drones to achieve that. But there are other considerations here as well. So militants might worry about a backlash effect in which attacking the enemy's population in such a way with this novel technology would actually mobilize them to support the government and to fight harder against the militants. It might also mobilize foreign supporters to rally behind the government. And the other thing to think about throughout is that militants need to compare the utility of drones to other types of force that they could use. So, for example, for punishment, there are lots of other strategies they could use, like terrorist attacks or suicide attacks that might better signal their resolve and be easier to carry out in a clandestine way. So we think that the utility of drones for militants is more likely to be at the sort of theater level. Some militants can use them for interdiction, which is robbing battlefield forces of needed supplies and logistics. We've seen a number of examples of that in the Middle East, and then also using them for close air support. Islamic State militants in Iraq and Syria have used these small commercial drones in those countries to really serve as an assist or a supplement to the ground forces that they've deployed there. I'll stop there and let Austin tackle this too.
2: Stephanie, thanks so much for this question. In our article, we're using observational data gathered from drone operations conducted by two militant organizations in particular, the Houthi rebels in Yemen and the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. And other data collection efforts suggest that these two groups are responsible for over 80% of recorded militant drone attacks over the past five years. And so we think they offer an especially useful window into what militant drone programs may look like not just today, but also in the near future. But before we begin sort of unpack those patterns, I think it might be useful to sort of put a pulse on these categories that we've borrowed from Pape's work and to flush out just briefly what something like denial, punishment, interdiction, and close air support, what they actually look like when we're talking about these in the context of armed militant drones. First, as Jim mentioned, militants can feasibly incorporate their drones into this denial strategy. This would require insurgents to target their opponent's capacity to develop and deploy military force. It's all about direct. Direct and large-scale destruction of enemy warfighting units and personnel. But frankly, there are very few clear-and-cut real-world examples of this. Of groups active today, the Houthis are arguably in the best position to achieve this kind of effect. And public statements by the Houthis demonstrate that they've considered some of their past drone attacks to fit within the group's broader, what they call, balance of deterrence initiative, including by or through their early claiming responsibility for the 2019 attacks at the Saudi Aramco facility. But even the Houthis have been limited in achieving a true strategic denial through drone attacks alone, in part because of the relative strength of their missile program. Rather, our analysis finds that Houthis have mostly used their drones to disable air defense systems and strike pseudo soft targets like airports and critical infrastructure, where their missiles, on the other hand, tend to do more of the heavy lifting against more traditional hard targets. We also know that militants can use drones in something more akin to a punishment strategy, where enemy civilians are deliberately targeted to lower morale. And, And while civilians have been killed in militant drone operations, there are relatively few examples of militants using their drones to target civilians directly. In fact, some groups seem to actually go out of their way to avoid mass civilian casualties. Going back to the Houthis, in June 2019, for example, the group released a poster directed at Saudi civilians that cautioned them to avoid airports and military locations. They began a sustained strike campaign against Saudi regional airports that same week. And I think this example illustrates just sort of a broader point that militant organizations, at least thus far, have shown what might be characterized as a lack of will rather than a lack of capacity to use drones Mm -hmm. systematically in a punishment strategy. Now, in contrast to denial and punishment, there are numerous examples of militants using drones for interdiction purposes, stopping the movement and coordination of enemy forces by disrupting things like logistical networks or or critical infrastructure. The Houthis especially have used their drones to this end to great effect, including the June 2019 attack on the Abha International Airport in Saudi Arabia. And we think this fits a broader pattern where if we look at data collected by Caleb Weiss at the Long War Journal, we find that the Houthis conducted 115 drone attacks between April 2018 and October 2019. Of these attacks, 62 were conducted against civilian airports, oil production facilities, and other critical infrastructure in Yemen and Saudi Arabia, where only 27 were conducted against military bases or troops. Drones' capacity to avoid radar detection and temporarily disable important assets we think make them especially useful for things like interdiction purposes. Finally, militants also use armed drones for purposes of close air support. Now, obviously, we're not exactly talking about A-10s here, right? But drones have proven a really useful adjunct to militant ground operations in a number of theaters and battles. For instance, in numerous cases, the Islamic State used drones successfully to defend key positions during the Battle of Mosul by initially disrupting the advancement of opponent forces, including Humvees, APCs, and troops, and allowing their fighters on the ground to gain a tactical edge. ISIS militants have used small-armed drones effectively to eliminate areas of cover for advancing opponent forces and to damage military resources in active firefights. Jim and I found that this function or this strategy of close air support, that militants have found drones really, really useful for these purposes.
0: I was going to ask about how militants are using drones. Is there anything else we need to
2: cover about that? We find that drones have been used to support ground force operations, giving militants a sort of new kind of combined arms capability, where the whole purpose of close air support is to thin the enemy's front, creating weak spots that the attacker's ground forces can exploit. But what I think is really important to note here is that these strikes aren't standalone attacks. They were tactical enhancements used in defense of strategically valuable position, focused on military vehicles and troops in transit, or even active combat positions during major battles. And engagements. Largely due to the success of these operations, if we're talking about what's been the effect of this type of strategic approach, is that U.S. defense leaders have referred to drones as the biggest threat since IEDs, even stating that ISIS claimed temporary tactical airspace superiority. Jim, I don't know if you'd like to add to that. One
1: of the takeaways of our article is that the technology doesn't automatically translate into military strategy. You know, it depends on other things like users' opportunity costs and willingness to engage in a particular strategy and their larger strategic aims. For example, if we think in our paper, we're looking at relations or conflicts between militants and governments, militant use of drones, But if you think about state use of drones, they can certainly be used for things like denial strategy. So the US drone campaign in places like Pakistan is largely, I think, a denial strategy, like targeting the leadership and the militants that are actually in the group and using the technology like the ISR and the very carefully targeted munitions that drones are equipped with quite effectively in that context. In this case, the United States is highly capable, right? Has fleets of drones, has, at least until recently, lots of places where they could them. They're really long range drones and things like that. You can't read the strategy off the technology directly, but you have to think about the political and military goals of the user as well.
0: I'm thinking more non-strategically. Are drones also useful in that arena for militants?
1: They definitely are. I think some examples that Austin cited are good illustrations of that. We discussed militant use of drones against other militant groups. That sort of conflict is more equal in terms of the capabilities of the adversaries. It seems possible that we're two non-state Our backers are fighting against each other, and they're roughly equal capabilities. They may use these drones in different ways than when they're using them against more capable state actors.
0: Considering the rapid advancement in technology, is this use likely to change in the future?
1: I have a number of thoughts about this. One is that the technology itself doesn't drive strategy or the use of the drones, but it's integrated with the larger strategy. We've also seen militants use drones not only for attacks, but also for collecting intelligence on potential targets. Boko Haram in Nigeria has used them for this purpose. The Taliban has used them quite extensively for intelligence collection, and it's really only in the last year or so that they've shifted, or they've supplemented that with armed attacks on their opponents. So militant groups can engage in battles against government forces in a variety of ways, or they can also target civilians or engage in terrorist attacks. And we see relatively few cases where These more capable militant groups have actually used drones to target civilians or engage in terrorist attacks, when it seems like the drones would have a lot of capabilities in that regard, that they could use drones to target mass events like sporting events or public events, like when the president is giving a speech. Stuff like that does happen, but it was surprisingly infrequent as we worked on the article. And that's what made us think about the sort of broader strategic aims of the groups as they consider adopting this technology
2: in terms of sort of thinking about what it's drone usage by militant organizations may look like in the future, I think it could be useful to briefly summarize about what it looks like today, where we know that weaponized drone activity is really dominated by a select few handful of militant actors and almost exclusively in in the Middle East. I think looking forward to the future that we should be on the lookout for more militant groups adopting drone systems, both for weaponized and, as Jim mentioned, ISR purposes. Over the past two years, we've already seen the number of drone-active militant organizations increase. Relatedly, I think we need to be on alert to the intergroup diffusion of drone tech and also know-how to militants active in other global regions outside of the Middle East, particularly in Sub-Saharan Africa and, and Central Asia. There's one other point as it relates to the future use or application of drone systems. Just to take note that a number of experts, including those in the US defense and intelligence communities, expect that the frequency of urban warfare will increase. And Jim and I have found in the process of doing research for this article that the urban battle space tends to lend itself to drone use. For example, militants operating in an urban setting are less concerned about, say, commercial drones, a more limited flight range. Drones are more difficult to detect and are naturally designed to avoid physical obstacles, right, that can inhibit things like small tactical unit or vehicle-borne or armed convoys. In, in other words, the urban terrain limits or removes many of the obstacles that would otherwise limit the expected value of drone operations. And should urban war increase in frequency, I think we need to be mindful of the fact that drones utilized by non-state actors can be used especially lethally and effectively in these battle terrains.
1: One drone-related technology that's often discussed is swarm. So you have multiple drones that are closely coordinating their activities with each other, and that magnifies their effect. So there's a concern that militant or terrorist groups could adopt this technology. I'm kind of reluctant to predict the adoption of technology, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyways and say that that seems like a not so immediate threat for a couple of reasons. One is that technology is a lot harder to develop and implement than operating a single drone with a single operator, because the drones need a lot of pretty advanced artificial intelligence and a fair amount of autonomy to operate in the battle space effectively. And states like the United States and China are working on this technology now, but to my knowledge, have not perfected it. And it seems like militants and terrorist organizations, their ability to adopt that would be farther down the road. Also related to that is the fact that a lot of the drones that the militants use are commercial drones or modified commercial drones. And it doesn't seem to me that there's a lot of civilian applications for swarm technology that could be developed and diffused across international supply chain that militants could access. So just the availability of that seems to be a a longer distance problem than an immediate one. Stephanie, thank you so much for, for your time letting us be part of this.
0: We enjoyed having you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for your contribution to Parameters.
1: Thanks so much for doing this, Stephanie. We really appreciate it and look forward to listening to the final product.